The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cox Media Group, Ohio. This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. Dayton's all news and talk is 1290-957 WHIO. Good afternoon, listeners. This is Jeff Pedro and Mark Avery, and we're from Sim Trainer on this special Saturday afternoon edition broadcast of Shooting from the Hip. We were scheduled for two o'clock. However, they had some important news conferences going on at that time, and uh, we went ahead and agreed to take a five o'clock slot that they needed filled. So we're glad to be with you today. Um, If uh, you're new to our show, Maybe the first time you've heard our show this late in the afternoon. Again, we're regularly at two o'clock, but uh, we're glad that you're listening. Our show, Shooting from the Hip, is all about guns, gun-related issues. And I'm sure right now there's a whole lot of things people are thinking about because I'll just start off by mentioning that the last week, I haven't seen the actual data, but I'm going to bet without even feeling uh, at all concerned about this, it's probably been the largest week in the number of gun sales probably in the last 20 or 30 years. I know that last uh, Saturday set a single day record of background checks that were conducted for gun purchases. So um, there's a lot of people out there uh, for a variety of reasons. And we're going to talk about those on this show um, that are going out buying guns for the first time. And uh, we think that's a great thing on the one hand. Uh, However, I want to strongly encourage people to, um, to think about when you go buy a gun, if you've already bought a gun, Um, you need to think about getting training. Uh, It's obviously the kind of doing things backwards. Um, We would recommend that you come in and do the training, try a variety of guns, and then go out and buy one. However, some of you have already made that purchase decision for whatever reason you felt you had to. Maybe somebody told you you should or you had to, or maybe you just felt, you know what, it's time, and you did it. Now, I just want to remind our listeners, our regular listeners who are tuning in, I've been telling people for years and certainly for the last six or eight months, if you wanted a gun, if you wanted ammo, if you wanted any accessories from about September through the middle of January, it was a buyer's market and everything was wide open. Those of you that are new to this world are probably finding out that, wow, I want it and I can't get it. Well, that's how this industry is. When bad things happen like this, unfortunately, guns dry up because people feel that urgency to go purchase a firearm and uh, many of them haven't had the training. So we want you to uh, just think about once you get your gun, give us a call here at Sim Trainer. You can get a hold of us at 937 293 3914. You can look us up on the web at www.sim trainer.com, or you can stop down the range and see us at 2031 Dryden Road. And we'd be more than glad to talk with you about your purchase, about what your intentions are where you are now, where you would like to be in the short term and the long term. And I want to remind our listeners, we've had a lot of people call and say, well, um, I've got a gun. I know how to use a gun, but I want to get my concealed carry license so that I can have the gun with me. Well, let me just clarify that particular issue. The the first thing to remember is that um, you do not have to have a concealed carry license to have a gun on you or around you loaded in your house or your private place of of, uh, work as long as you're authorized to carry the gun at work. The issue comes is the how you get the gun from home to work or from work to home. And the simple solution there is you simply unload it. You store the gun inside a compartment, uh, inside a case 
the, maybe the case it came with after you make sure it's unloaded and you unload the magazines and put them in the original box that the ammo came in and you're going to be able to safely uh, transport that gun in in your vehicle as long as it's not loaded the ammo is not loaded into the magazines and the gun is secured in a separate compartment of the case that you're carrying in from where the ammo is that's the safest way in our concealed carry class we talk about some of the issues uh, concerning um, how to carry a gun uh, before but you don't have to have a concealed carry license in order to buy a gun take it to the range shoot it take it home load it use it for personal safety unload it in the manner I just described, take it to work with you if you're allowed to have it there and have it on you and then unload it. And the key issue is you can't have it loaded. And like I mentioned, loaded also means the bullets are in the magazine and the magazine is in the same compartment that the gun's in. So our safest or best advice to you is that if you're gonna transport the gun and you do not have a concealed handgun license, make sure you unload the magazines, put the ammo back in the original container that, they, that it came in and make sure you store that box separate from where you store the firearm. Then when you get home, you can do you can do what you need to do. And let's tell everybody also that we are doing a live show today, in case you hadn't quite figured that out, which means we'll also be able to take calls. So if you'd like to call the studio at 457-1290, if you've got some question about things that you've seen going on and you would like to ask us about it, we'd be happy to take those calls. You know, there's uh, a lot of people in, in society, and certainly um, there's a lot of people who think about times like this, and they feel the sense of urgency, they feel the need, they, they're experiencing fear, and um, that's understandable. Um, I, like uh, most other people, I just tell people to just calm down and let's see how things play out. Um, and I tell people to take reasonable preparations, and reasonable preparations mean making sure you have adequate supplies of items that you need around your household. And we think a critical element of that supply stock should be a firearm and ammunition. Uh, however, we very much advocate that you get the training that you need um, in order to be able to safely defend yourself if you would ever happen to uh, need to use that firearm. So again, you can call us at uh, Sim Trainer, uh, visit our website, look at the different classes, um, or you can stop down the range. And I just want to remind our listeners that we don't know how the next several weeks are going to play out. There have been closures. There have been limitations on the number of people that can gather in certain places. And um, certainly we're going to comply with all the directives that are out there. But we want you to know that uh, we're here for you. We think it's important that people get the training that they need and that you'll be able to do what you want in a comfortable way. The key to our training here at Sim Trainer is we get you to a level of comfort and confidence in your ability to safely handle and shoot the firearm, as opposed to just basically putting it in your hand and telling you to aim at the target and pull the trigger. We focus on the process of getting the gun ready to fire, the process of shooting the gun, and the process of making the gun safe and getting it in condition that you might have it around your house. And, and before all that, it's the proper and safe ways to handle the firearms. All of the, the four basic rules of firearm safety that we talk about in every class uh, making sure you treat every gun as if it's loaded, make sure that you keep it pointed in a safe direction. Only it's something you're intending to shoot or at least willing to destroy. You keep your finger off the trigger until your sights are aligned on the safe target and you've made a decision to fire and you'd be aware of your target and what's beyond it. Um, you know, you've probably seen blurbs in the, in the um, uh, news lately. Uh, we talked about the record gun sales, but there's also related to that there have been significant numbers of delays. And I want to bring that up because I have people who have 
top secret, I'm going to use that word, or high-level security clearances relative to their employment who they've been put on delay. That means they wanted to purchase a gun. I submitted the data to the, um, uh, to the FBI, and um, they got delayed. They had to do a hand check, but because they are getting so inundated with an overwhelming number of responses, in addition to, like many other businesses, they're having to send people home. They don't have the volume of people available to do the secondary hand checks that need to be done for people who get temporary de temporarily delayed. And I say I say that uh, that's an issue because I'm a, I'm a relatively small volume dealer, but you think across the country, there are places, and I know some places right here in the Miami Valley that might sell and have sold over 100 guns in a single day. If 10 or 15 of those people get delayed, there's a good chance at least half of them won't come back to make that purchase. They're under no obligation to make the purchase once they get delayed, they might get called back a day or two later and say, no, we haven't heard anything back yet. And they're like, well, then just forget about it. I don't want to buy the gun anyway. And that's, that's understandable because they're totally law-abiding citizens. And just because of circumstances, they get delayed. Now, absent the two circumstances I just described, number one, the extremely high volume of people purchasing the gun. And number two, probably the most significant issue is the fact that they've been letting staff go home to make sure that they keep within the the, the eight foot, you know, no, not so many people within an eight foot area. Um, so that those things are going to happen. And, and if you've been, you've fallen victim to that situation, uh, I feel for you. I say, just stick with it. Uh, they will eventually get to those, those uh, processing of those claims. Most of them are only going to be done between nine and five. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on in the evening. Like in the past, they had people who were working into the evening hours. So it's kind of the the not so perfect storm right now as far as uh, purchasing a gun goes and we're certainly uh, going to work with you but we hope to get those things uh, reasonably rectified as time goes on. The other issue that I wanted to talk about some of you have probably seen in the news that some cities and municipalities around the country are taking advantage of the de declaration of uh, emergency uh, state of uh, existence to go ahead and try to figure out ways to curtail uh, if not totally eliminate the potential of anybody to buy sell transfer otherwise give a gun to another person. Uh, the city of Champaign, Illinois, surprise, no surprise, Illinois is not a very gun-friendly state. Although I have to tell you, having lived there, lived there for 10 years, most of that anti-gun uh, attitude is from uh, Chicago and the, the city uh, up north. But uh, you know, Southern Illinois, we say everything south of Chicago is Southern Illinois. Those are rural people who have guns, who use guns. Uh, Champaign just happens to be kind of in the, the central, uh, north central part of the state, uh, obviously well, uh, greatly affected by Chicago politics and the city of, or the state of Illinois politics. And um, they've made the decision that they're going to try to restrict people's ability to transfer by and otherwise uh, get, you know, give a gun even to a friend or a neighbor if they felt the urge to have a gun for personal safety and self-defense. Keep in mind that as far as the law goes, if you have a gun and you want to let somebody use a gun, the requirement is that you have a reasonable good faith belief that the individual is not a prohibited person. In other words, they don't have a crime or circumstance in their background that would prohibit them from possessing a firearm, something like a previous domestic violence conviction, a felony conviction, certain drug, of, of, of drug offenses, things of that nature. And uh, again, sometimes you know the people that you're you're dealing with, whether it be friends, neighbors, family members, and sometimes you don't know them so well, but just remember the basic rule is you got to take and make a good faith effort to ensure that they're not a uh, prohibited individual. 
Um, and this time, I got to believe that some of that's going on. Mark, when you say where there's people who said, hey, I don't have time, I don't have money to go get a gun, but I feel scared. Can you help me out? Yeah, and their friends and family, uh, neighbors who, who you know have a gun, and then you say, well, you know, I, I need you to help me figure out what I'm going to do uh, in order to be able to protect myself and my family. Hopefully that person before giving them a gun is going to take them to the range to make sure they really know what they're doing instead of just hand them a gun and say, here, go do it. You know, it's the original point and click interface. No problem. Anybody can do yeah. this. You don't know that's not the case. Yeah, that's a good point, Mark. But here's the big issue. When do you use a gun and when can you legally use a gun? And that's the discussion that I think people, they feel the fear that's going on out there. They think they have to have a gun, but yet they don't know when they can use the gun. And in the state of Ohio, for example, you can use a firearm self-defense. And the key element is you believe your life or someone else's life is in eminent jeopardy. Meaning if you do not use the gun to shoot the individual that's putting you in that situation, then um, you got to believe that you or somebody else is going to be seriously injured. And that's a standard that is a pretty high standard. So um, this day and age, people say, well, you know, if I have something and I have it in uh, my garage and somebody breaks into my detached garage and, and they're stealing my stuff, well, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to confront them and I'm going to shoot them. Well, not so fast. Uh, if you followed uh, some cases in the, in the local news over the last year, you'll see that that issue has come up pretty much uh, point blank. And it's been, even though the case hasn't actually been decided yet, the individual who uh, ended up shooting some intruders who were uh, inside a garage, I believe smoking marijuana and otherwise being in the garage when they shouldn't have been there. And um, he's sitting in jail pending felony charges and looking at possibly life imprisonment for a shooting. I think he killed one or two and critically injured at least a third one. So we'll talk about more of those related issues. And again, as Mark mentioned, if you want to uh, join the discussion, call the studio at 457-1290, and they'll be sure to relay the information to us. But we're going to go ahead and take our first break. Yeah, we'll, we are going to take that first break of the hour. So call the studio at 457-1290 if you'd like to be in on this discussion. We'd love to hear from you. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Experts weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Experts weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show and you're listening to Shooting from the Hip on this special 5 o'clock edition of our uh, radio broadcast. We're normally on at uh, two o'clock on Saturdays, but because of the updated uh, con news conferences that occurred today, um, they were nice enough to let us come on this evening. And we're glad to be with you. Shooting from the hip is uh, all about guns, anything gun related uh, with the world going the way it is right now. There's a lot of people who have a lot of, feel a lot of uncertainty, maybe feel fear. If you have any questions, be sure to call into the studio and our producer will relay um, the information to us, you just need to call 457-1290 and he'll be more than glad to get that information uh, to us and we'll try to answer the questions. Uh, Russ uh, uh, apparently called in or, or requested that uh, he brings up a good issue. What's a person who has a prohibited fence, uh, a prohibited offense in their past to do when they and their family feel threatened or, or fearful of the of what's can cut what's going to come now let me just clarify i'm just going to guess uh, by um uh the, the the limited information i have is that russ might have had a 
criminal conviction or some other condition in his past that will prohibit him from owning a gun, and yet he still feels fear. And uh, now maybe he's an, an elderly person. And when I say elderly, maybe he's 50, 60, 70 years old. Oh, and thanks. Well, we're all in that category. <laughs> um, and uh, I totally understand what he's saying. For, saying. And I, um, my personal belief is I don't think that a person should lose their constitutional right to defend themselves with a firearm. Unfortunately, um, there are laws that specifically uh, preclude individuals from um, doing that. And then some of those offenses could be misdemeanors. Uh, so any even a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence, even if it was originally charged as domestic violence and then pled down to something less serious, uh, that can still keep you from uh, being able to own a firearm at some time in the future. So that is a problem. And, and really the only way to deal with that that we know of right now is to go through an, an expungement process. So you'd have to go back before the court, you'd have an attorney represent you, and uh, request that that's, that that uh, essentially that charge be removed or that conviction be removed from your record, and also that your firearms rights would have to also be restored. And that's sometimes not automatic. It it needs to be uh, included explicitly. Sometimes those explicit changes uh, don't happen naturally, and it's just something that uh, it needs to be documented and and you know, clear that you do in fact have your right. Uh, to own firearms restored as part of that expungement process. You know, Russ, if you're listening, that's a tough situation. And one other thing I can let you know is if you have a family member who's not a prohibited individual, their only requirement is they not provide you access to the firearm. I don't believe there's any prohibition against a family member from owning a firearm, possessing a firearm, and even ultimately using a firearm. And I doubt the way the law is. I'm going to go out on a limb because I'm aware of some cases where this has happened, where people who were prohibited from having, they were violently attacked and they were able to actually take the gun away from the attacker and use the gun against the person who attacked them initially. And I don't know the outcome, but I find it hard to believe that that individual would be prosecuted if they were the victim. So it's a tough situation, but I don't think it applies to family members as long as family members don't make the firearms available. So if you have a, uh, a person who you live with, that has a firearm, you don't have immediate access to it, they can certainly provide that level of uh, self-defense to you. And I, I totally understand. And this could be something, I had a nephew who was, uh, you know, when we were young and- uh, and, and, um, and It's okay, concerned? you could say young and yeah, dumb. Young, young and dumb. Um, he was uh, walking home after a night of partying in college with his friends and he didn't want to drive. So they went to the Wendy's drive-thru and the people wouldn't serve him. And uh, he and his buddy got into a verbal altercation that ultimately led to a physical altercation. And during the physical altercation, my nephew did something really stupid. He reached inside the window, grabbed the guy, pulled him out the window, punched him in the face and broke his cheekbone. Oops. Well, he got charged and convicted of felonious assault at 19 years old. Here he was about 10 years ago. He's now third at the time, 39 years old. His father passed away and wanted to pass on to him a lever action rifle. He couldn't do it because he had a prohibited criminal offense in his background. Luckily, his uh, the 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 father's wife was an attorney. She was able to get his criminal conviction expunged in that incident. I don't know if the gun was ever transferred, but uh, that situation was resolved. But just as Mark mentioned, the only way to get that taken care of is if you get the felony expunged. It's a terribly unfortunate circumstance. I'm sure he regrets to this day ever having doing that because of the fallout since then, especially not being able to physically take possession of his father's handed down heirloom lever action rifle. 
but uh, those are the kinds of things that people are faced with. We understand that. Um, but the only way those things can get rectified is with an attorney. During times like this, though, I, I, I share the, the anxiety many people fear or have. I just want you to know that you got to take reasonable measures to protect yourself. You got to take reasonable measures to prepare yourself. And you got to look at both the short term, the intermediate term and the long term, because we don't know how long the circumstances that are existing right now in that, that we in Ohio are faced with, but around the country, there's even more dire circumstances. People are literally locked in their houses and can't go outside. And they're worried about where they're going to get their next meal, what they're going to do, how people are going to survive, how are you going to mentally survive the, the situation? So there's lots of issues and We'll continue this discussion right when we come back after the break. Yeah, we are going to have to take a break and go out and, and catch up on some of the news that's going on around the world. Uh, but again, if you'd like to be part of this show, we'd love to have you join us at 457-1290. 457-1290 is the number into the Master Control Studio, and they'll be able to send us a note to tell you that that uh, you're tell us that you're waiting, and we'd love to get you on the air. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. Dayton's all news and talk is 1290-957-WHIO. Welcome back to the show. And for those of you that are listening today, this is a special broadcast of Shoot from the Hip. A Shooting from the Hip normally broadcasts at 2 o'clock on Saturdays. And uh, we're glad to be a part of this evening's uh, programming as a result of the news conferences updating uh, the population on the coronavirus. They gave us an opportunity and we jumped at it. We want to remind our listeners that uh, Shooting from the Hips is a show all about guns, guns-related topics. And uh, we're glad to be on now because we know just from uh, the last week's business, there's a whole lot of people buying a whole lot of guns. Yeah, not just our business, business all over the country. Absolutely. There have been stories about lines out the door in places in California where they're where people are finally discovering that they have a 10-day waiting period before they can actually pick up a gun once they've purchased it, something that, fortunately, we don't have to deal with here in Ohio. And we've been talking in the first half hour about, uh, you know, how do you deal with uh, the fear and the anxiety? And uh, again, I mentioned the biggest thing is preparation and preparations in a variety of different areas, food basic supplies, medication, firearm, ammunition. And that's one issue I want to talk about now. People say, well, what's enough? And I don't know what the answer. Enough is what you decide. Um, and I'm not even going to go into uh, people say, well, what do you have? And I said, enough. Yeah. And enough is what I decide is enough. And uh, um, I try to encourage other people to, when they buy a gun or guns and ammo, uh, that they have uh, the ammo right for the gun and they determine what they, they think might be enough. And that's going to come down to the way they see the world and the way the world is and the way the world might go. Well, let me say one thing about just the number of rounds of ammunition that would, quote, be enough. You hear a lot on reports about somebody who has a gun and then they're, they are reportedly having 800 rounds of ammunition. Folks, that's about not even one whole case. It, it might be two cases depending on the size. But a, a case of ammo is not a lot of ammo. It is enough to practice regularly. And what constitutes regularly? I'd say at least once a month for you to maintain competence. And it should be practiced with a purpose. So how much ammo do you need to do that? Well, you can get effective practice in 50 to 100 rounds if you plan on 
on doing something and accomplishing something with that practice. And if you do that every month, 50 to 100 rounds um, a month, and then you do that for 12 months, now you're talking about 1,200 rounds. That's more than a case of ammo. So how much is enough? I'd say more than that. Yeah, I will tell you, uh, for me, and, and, and on some weeks, you, 50 to 100 is in less than a week. Oh, sure. And uh, now now let me just segue and, and, and kind of follow up to what Mark just said relative to preparation and the amount. Um, I tell people, get what you think is enough, but then when you start using it, replace it as you go. So you're not in a situation where you feel you have to go out and buy 25 uh, cases of toilet paper because you used up all your toilet paper and you have none left. I say, when you set your limit, set your limit at when I have eight rolls of toilet paper or when I have 500 rounds of ammunition and I tap into that 500, I then go out and replace what I have used recently. So I've always got, I'm ahead of the curve. And people say, well, you know, not everybody can afford it, Jeff. And I'm like, listen, every one of us wastes $20 a month, every one of us. So if you save that money up over time, you can do those extra preparations, whether it's ammo, food, basic things around the house, whatever the case might be. And some of us, we go without other things because we prepare for what we might need in the future. And that's a priority with us. It may not be a priority with you, but then and then it's an say, emergency and yeah, then it's hard. And I don't want to say don't come whining to me because I understand where you're at, but minimize the chance of that happening by taking preparation throughout the year. So it's not so much a strain on your pocketbook and you don't have that feeling of, gosh, I got to have it and I can't get it. Cause right now, let me tell you folks, nine millimeter ammo, two, two, three ammo, many of the other calibers, they are unavailable. Basic shotgun ammo is drying up. Now it could be refilled within a relatively short period of time, but just like toilet paper, and chicken and other things, consumers are consuming it. And that's a good thing on the stand, on the, from the standpoint of how our economic system works. Um, those people who have been sitting on those supplies for many months, many years, they're experiencing a whirlwind, a windfall right now. It's a great thing for them. They're making money and they should make money because they took the risks. They stockpiled stuff, which means they had inventory that was costing them money to produce and to store that was just sitting there, not selling. Now with this whirlwind, it's selling and it's selling at never before rates. Now there's a, a, another side of that. The other side of that is there's a lot of people getting it, number one, so they can turn around and resell it. In my, you know, there's nothing that can stop them from doing it except the people who put limitations on how much stuff you can buy. That's one side of it. And then there's other people who are getting it because they think they have to get it and they're getting as much as they can because they don't think it's ever going to be available again. Now that's an individual personal decision you have to make. And I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to berate you or criticize um, how you do things. But suffice it to say, you need to do preparation on an ongoing basis. Um, one of the callers uh, right before the break wanted to know, what if uh, the state of Ohio declares a total lockdown? Does that prohibit, in, prohibit him and his wife from going for a drive in the car? Um, the way it's been described in other states, I think it does. Yeah. Um, I think that's unfortunate because the goal is to stop people, people from commingling from other people. However, that, that's kind of the broad brush that they're painting with. We don't want but, to spread the disease to some other places right. that don't have it. The, but, the, but the problem is then at what, well, it really comes down to this. What does the order actually say? And under what authority is that order given? Yeah. And, and that is something that a lot of people have had some questions about. In fact, there's still some there's still some issues with uh, lawsuits and so forth to say some of the actions taken so far may not have been within the authority of people who've been making those actions. 
and that will get resolved at some point in the future, probably not immediately. But but the bottom line is this, you have to actually pay attention to what the order actually says and then do your best to comply with it or make sure that if there's an exception, you fall in that exception. That That's the bottom line. And whether we like it or not, that's kind of the way we're gonna have to live our lives for who knows how long. But in re reference to his question, uh, I see his point. If him and his wife who've been, you know, holed up in their house for two weeks, they decide, hey, we want to just go for a ride in the country for an hour. We're going to drive out, drive back. We're not going to stop. We're not going to get anything to eat. We're just going to go out, come back again. I don't know. But then I guess he starts splitting hairs as to what constitutes just that simple drive in the country or the drive around the block or the drive around the city or whatever the case is. Well, and then you also run the risk of being involved in a traffic accident, you know, so a vehicle collision. If there's injuries, now you're putting a burden on the medical system that is already overburdened in trying to deal with the injuries and tr or trying to deal with the illness. And they are trying to stockpile supplies just in case there's something that happens in it. And this blossoms into another really serious, by, by serious, I mean that there are um, hundreds of thousands of people infected in the country and uh, many of them having to be on respirators and so forth. So yeah, they are trying to prepare for a worst case scenario and anything that, that you might do or any of us might do that puts us more at risk of needing some of that medical care means that that's possible uh, reduction of resources and supplies and so forth needed to treat somebody in the future. Another caller, Harvey, just called in and he wanted to know What's he have to do if he has an, a, quote, unregistered gun um, and he's using that for self-defense? Well, I first of all want to let our listeners know that there's no requirement to, quote, register, unquote, a gun, which you do these days. When and again, we're talking about the state of Ohio. Yes, so, yes, yeah. yes. In the state of Ohio, you can go out like the people are doing today. You buy the gun. You go through the background check. That is not a registration process, even though people like to call it that. They run, they run the information. It's typically centers around your name, your date of birth, your um, uh, social security number, and some other distinct uh, identifiers. And they determine if you are one of those prohibited individuals, somebody who has a something in their background and they can't own a gun. And once that comes back that that's not the case, they get a uh, proceed and the person transfers the gun. And that form that you complete stays, believe it or not, at this location, when you do it here, it stays right here in our facility and none of the information is transmitted other than the information that was transmitted to determine that you were prohibited and they cannot archive that in any way, shape or form. So in reference to your question, if you bought a gun years ago before you thought they had to be registered, that's an inaccurate assumption. Guns are not required to be registered in the state of Ohio. Now there are some other states that require different types of registration and that comes in a lot of forms. We can't address all those states, but the simple answer here in Ohio is you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, and so if you have a gun, regardless of when or how you got it, as long as you got it legally, it's it doesn't have to be registered and there's, there's no specific record of the fact that you own a particular gun or even the type of gun. And so if you need to use whatever firearm that you have in a defensive situation where the use of deadly force is justified, then uh, that possessing that gun is not a problem. There's a controversial piece of legislation that obviously has been put on hold over in the uh, the, the, the state capitol where um, uh, there have been proposals that any trans uh, transaction in firearms, except those between family members, will have to undergo a background check. Even if that would ever get implemented or even the, the current system is like me and Mark said, there is no registration involved in that. All that means is that 
the purpose that they're at least what they state is the purpose is that they are going to make sure that the person receiving the gun, whether it's buying it from a private individual at a gun show or buying it from their neighbor in a neighborhood is not a prohibited person. The problem that I think comes up and the problem I always have with that is they could make this process real easy. And probably if they're going to do it, they don't need to control. They don't need to, um, if they're going to implement the law, they don't need to even get any information about the gun. They don't need to know if it's a rifle, a shotgun or a pistol, all they need to know. And they don't need to know anything. All the selling person needs to know is that the buying person is not a prohibited person. And that should not even involve all that. Uh, and there's ways it could be done. It's pretty simple. The way the current system is, you just set it up so certain entities can just verify that subject A who wants to sell a gun to subject B can confirm that subject B is not a prohibited person. That's the end of the conversation. They don't need to know what gun uh, is going to be recorded. And the, the fact that they want on every form all that information, including the type of gun, the caliber of the gun, that leads people to be suspicious about what the purpose of that process actually is. So in subsequent shows, when we can find out how that legislation is proceeding, because as last we heard, it wasn't gaining much traction at all. So we're not going to get too concerned about it, but uh, we'll, we'll stay updated on that. But I got a feeling right now, other things are taking priority, Mark, and that's probably not going to move very fast because they're going to have to do emergency appropriations of uh, um, funding for um, workers' compensation and unemployment. So that's going to take priority. Well, yeah, COVID-19 has sucked all the air out of the room everywhere, including in the General Assembly. So. Yeah. They're, you know, they're, they are completely focused on what do we need to do with this immediate health crisis uh, as it's being reported, the pandemic as it's, and it is across the world. I mean, it's, it's certainly not something to be ignored, but uh, then what we can do about it or what we're going to do about it, what needs to be done, what the government's role needs to be, all of those things are going to take significant priority over anything having to do with the right to keep and bear arms or additional restrictions or additional background checks or anything uh, related to that. And unfortunately, um, all levels of government and all of us as individuals and as families, we're kind of learning on the run because there was no test run to what we're facing now. Certainly not in the United States. Other countries have been faced with similar circumstances. I guess the closest mark that we could probably say is the, the buildup to World War II, the short four to six months right after the bombing at Pearl Harbor when basically everybody's life turned into the war effort um, the lives weren't going to be lost here, but a whole lot of lives were going to be lost in fighting that war across the pond. And uh, everybody, here's what's interesting. And we talk about the American spirit. The American spirit's alive and well. And we've already seen cases of it. I heard somebody come in here the other day who said he was so grateful because his manufacturing company, which is, uh, um, I'm not going to mention the name, he, they agreed without any question and regardless of what the state or the federal government does, they're going to keep their employees on 75% of their wages for three months three months. It was just a great, it was just a great uh, um, gesture on the part of the business to say, look, we've made money. You've helped us make money. This is going to be hard on everybody and we're going to help you out. So we're going to give you 75% of your wages for three months, regardless of whatever else you're able to get from the, from the government in the circumstances are going to be available to them. But there's all kinds of things like that going on. I've heard about churches, civic groups, groups of individuals, neighborhoods. Uh, one thing I thought was really nice one of the neighborhoods in, in my community, they called up one of the local food food trucks. They got a hold of all their neighbors and they said, bring your food truck over here, stock to the rim, and we're going to buy it out. And sure enough, he went there. Not only that neighborhood, but people actually drove their cars over to the food truck.
to get something from the food truck, which normally sets up like at a bar on a Friday night or something like that. But they, they bought him out. And I thought that was just a great gesture on both parts. Get it there. The guy to go ahead and prepare all the food because that had to be sure. a lot of preparation, anticipating, you know, he probably thought, dang, I'm I'm bottomed out. I'm, I'm on the low end of the, the restaurant and, and food distribution food chain. And they actually called the food truck guy up and hadn't come to the neighborhood. All right. I think we need to take our last break for the hour. So we're, we're going to turn it back to the studio. Give you a chance to call in at 457-1290, and we'll see if we can get your question on the air, too. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. The Miami Valley's only radio station for 24-hour breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. When the Miami Valley gets hit with breaking news, severe weather, or traffic tie-ups, depend on us for up-to-the-minute information. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show, and I want to remind everybody that's listening to the special edition of Shooting from the Hip, that uh, if you have a question, a concern, you can always reach us by going to our website at www.sim-trainer.com and hitting the contact tab and going ahead and sending us a message. And because we know that there's a lot of people that need answers to questions quickly and there's limited resources, we'll get back to you in a reasonable time frame. Understand reasonables could be a day or two just because of the volume of stuff that we're getting overwhelmed with, but we wanna help you make critical decisions. And when I say critical decisions, the decision to buy a gun, first of all, what to do before you buy the gun, what kind of training you need, and depending on how things go over the next week or two or the next month, um, we will be able to get you to a level of comfort and uh, confidence in um, what gun you like, being able to safely handle a gun, functionally operate the gun, and then maybe even help you pick the specific gun you want. And don't rush out just because you've seen that everything's flying off the shelf and somebody told you you get a Glock, they don't have any more Glock, so you go out and get a Taurus. Um, don't feel the urgency to rush out and get it because the gun you get may not be the gun for you and it may not be the gun that's going to work the best for you. You know, um, this might be a good time to just talk a little bit about the training pass because the, the first class in that is, is our ability to help you pick the gun you know, we don't know what classes are going to be like for the next several weeks and months. We may or may not be able to actually hold in-place classes, but, um, you know, the, the, the concept is still valid. Well, Learn uh, how to use the gun first and help get, you know, try the guns out and figure out that way which is the right gun for you. That's the big thing that Dave brought to our attention a couple of weeks ago is to remind people you don't have to have your concealed carry license but you do need to know how to safely handle a gun. And the first part of our training pass is the basic handgun class. However, we can do that in individual and or small group sessions that sometimes, especially now, because we're keeping class size limited below the number um, number 10, and that's total people in the facility, so that um, we can do that in a very timely manner. So we want you to feel that you'll be able to get that training. So look at the course descriptions and understand that whatever it is you want, we can put that into a private individual or small group session and get the training that you need because that's going to that's gonna be a good thing. But if you want any answers to any questions, reach out to us at our website, hit the contact tab, and we'll be more than glad to get back with you as soon as we can. And, uh, and it may be, um, maybe all you need me to do is call you or give an email and an email reply and I can help you out. But uh, we have uh, people who have said, two people walked in today. One walked in with a piece of paper and he said, I got this from a company in uh, Omaha. 
I bought a gun from a company in Omaha. They're going through this organization. They said the gun's being shipped here. Well, we knew nothing about it till they walked in our front door. And the way we do business, just because we want to be responsible and want the people that send guns to be responsible, we want them to notify us. We want the, the people that they're um, sending the gun to us from out of state to notify us. We make sure they have a valid FFL. They make sure we have a valid FFL. We make arrangements to have that gun shipped here. And then we make arrangements for the individual who purchased the gun to come in, fill out the 4473, pass the required background check, and then we transfer the gun. For those of you who might be new to this, uh, this show, understand that's how it works. You don't just go out and buy a gun on the internet and it gets shipped to your house like you do when you go buy a new purse or a new t-shirt or a new hat on the internet. All gun sales that go on the internet have to go through gun dealers on both ends, on the front end and the back end. The, the shipper in this case in Omaha had to ship it here to Dayton, Ohio, and the person from the Dayton, Ohio region has to come down, fill out the form. I have to submit the data to get the approval, and only if they're approved will the gun get transferred. We have, quite frankly, uh, in the, ironically, in our first 10 to 15 years, we probably had less than five um, total um, re, uh, denials where individuals had something that they may or may not known that was existed in their past and we couldn't transfer the gun. And in the last week, we've had two. So um, because of just the circumstances, they were both older individuals. They didn't realize something in their past. They're looking into it now. Um, maybe they did. Uh, but the, the bottom line was they were restricted. The gun had to go back to the place where they bought it. And then it's up to the individual to make arrangements to get the credit card, um, uh, get the money put back on their credit card. So guns don't just go flying through the through the mail like um, like others. Two other things I just want to mention before we end, up, end the show today. Um, give thanks to what you have and appreciate the people you're around and uh, put your faith and confidence in those people because they will help all of us pull through these tough circumstances. So until next week, you're listening to uh, Shooting from the Hip. Um, I'm Jeff Pedro in with Mark Avery, and we'll be more than glad to answer any questions you have for us online. But take it easy, take a breath, pray to God, have a good week. Thanks very much for being with us, and especially thanks for WHO for giving us this hour. You're listening to Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO Dayton's News and Talk. From our downtown Dayton McAfee Heating and Air Studios, WHIO AM Dayton, WHIO FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station.